Welcome to the Birth Your Book podcast. We are here with Caitlin Ramsey Wolford, who has written a training manual called Interpreters Supporting Interpreters for her organization, CORE. And Caitlin, I'll let you share a little bit more about what the organization is and what the manual is, if you'd like to share. For sure. Uh, Well, first, thanks for having me on the podcast. I appreciate it. Um, (laughs) Shout out to you for editing this book and for working with us. Um, The editing process was a journey, as we all know. I feel like anyone who's written a book uh, can definitely feel that and and knows that that the pain and also the love that comes with it. Um, So I appreciate that. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, core itself, I think it's important to kind of talk about the organization, and then I can move into the, the purpose of the book. Uh, yeah. So, the name of the mentorship program that I run is called Core Interpreters, and Core is an acronym mm-hmm. for Colleague Advancement, Outreach, Resources, and Ethics. And our mission statement is actually the book title, which is Interpreters Supporting Interpreters. And CORE is a six-month mentorship program for sign language interpreters. And the goal of the mentorship program um, is to, there's a gap between when interpreters finish their interpreter training program. So that could be at a local college um, or a university or what have you. And, um, or they could be a child of a deaf adult and they're trying to get certified. So to become a full-fledged working professional. And so there's a gap that's happened uh, for many, many years and the interpreting field has been aware of this gap, but no one has really figured out what's the silver silver bullet to resolve that gap. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when I graduated from Gallaudet, uh, shout out, go Bisons, um, I quickly realized that I was also in the gap and saw a Mm -hmm. huge need. And so CORE was birthed out of that situation uh, Mm -hmm. back in 2017. And then Mm -hmm. as the program continued to grow, um, there was a clear need as more and more people were joining CORE instead of printing off multiple templates and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, guidelines for how to be in the program. It became very apparent in 2020 that the best way to move forward, especially with six different chapters, you know, currently in 2022. um, And in that time, we knew more chapters would be popping up across the nation that we needed to have a book uh, and essentially a toolkit for our mentors and mentees who are working together. Um, mm-hmm. So people were kind of speaking the same language. Uh, people knew that they could rely on this resource and that this tool could be something that mentors could lean into if they were new to mentoring or people who have been mentoring for years could lean into this book and mm-hmm. get what they needed to continue forward with a positive mentorship experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of how the book itself became what it became. Mm-hmm. Uh, it did not start off, oh, you know, with a hundred pages. It started off with a couple, um, I'm sure you remember, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think it was Canva infographics that I showed mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah. we got to push this out more. This doesn't <laughs> all make sense. Um, and so I was grateful that you helped me think through what are, what are, what is the main goal here and what are we trying to say? Um, and my partner in crime, who is, um, Kat Perchik, shout out to Kat. She's great. Um, also kind of got in my brain and, you know, between the two of you, I felt like I was able to 
better define, I have the vision, how do we get it on paper and make it make sense to other people Yeah, aren't in my brain. Um, and so that's kind of how that all took place. Uh, have you had experiences of people using the, the book, um, to just guide them in their journey? Like what has that been like? Uh, so I would say within core and outside of core, I've seen people taking advantage of the book, um, including like local ITP professors have um, interpreter training professors mm-hmm. rather uh, who have used it in their programs. So I've seen it there um, core Great. website. Uh, it's coreinterpreters.com. We actually have a free resource yes. library on there mm-hmm. that we created that a lot of people, you know, there's ethical scenarios when you're working as an interpreter. Um, there's a career map on there. Um, our manifesto, which is like a draft example, what it means, it's actually in the book too, but uh, Mm -hmm. it's a basically like a a template draft for mentors and mentees when they're working together to have shared common goals shared across them and how they plan to work together while they're in core. So all Mm -hmm. of those are free resources that, you know, yeah, it's great. So shameless plug there for coreinterpreters.com resource library. It's free. That's um, wonderful. It sounds yeah, like you yeah, did yeah. some repurposing on various yeah. items too. Well, we were yeah. able to pull stuff from the book too, which I thought was great. And then, you know, make yeah. that available to everyone um, instead of them having to buy it from, from online. I would say too, though, that um, to answer your question uh, more directly, I would say the people who have used it outside of core for a resource, there have been bits and pieces, like almost like little nuggets they can take and little gems they can take that they can apply to their own mentorship relationship, Mm -hmm. um, even if they're not formally in the core program. But again, the whole book itself, I would say mainly is used for core purposes because it was, it's part of the quote unquote curriculum, right? It's the toolkit that we give to our mentors and mentees in the program to help them succeed and to help them like I said, that common shared language because everyone's education experiences, their backgrounds all vary. And so yeah. you get them all reading from the same, you know, book. Yeah. It's people that shared experience. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And do you want to say anything more about just your overall purpose in creating this book and core? I know you, you have talked about it already, but anything else you want to share around that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think one of the things that I realized and part of the the drive and the heart behind running CORE, so um, a lot of people don't know it's not my full-time job. This is like my passion project, my brainchild that uh, was originally built to the DC area where I am. I'm based out of Washington, DC. And then it kind of just took off because other mm-hmm. states have the same problem. And we're recognizing that we need mentorship in our state. You already have the wheels. Can we just, you know, take those wheels and keep it moving over here? And it Mm -hmm. kind of felt like that symbiotic relationship between DC and then connecting the entire field um, was really one of the main drivers for me to keep going in the capacity that I have uh, for such a long time now. But I would say for sure that the main driving factor was um, having some conversations with my friends who are deaf and hard of hearing and they show up to their job. They show up to medical appointments. They show up, 
um, to performing arts and to university to get a PhD. And, you know, they don't have skilled and qualified interpreters sitting in front of them. And so the person at the end of the day who is being negatively impacted sure. are the people. And so seeing that yeah. our retention rates in the interpreting field are really low, uh, seeing yeah. can't get certified or feel they're not qualified yet to become certified. They don't feel like they have the tools to become certified. Um, and that that gap has been there for such a long time. It felt like the right answer to get involved and to do something. Yeah. Um, that seems crazy. Like that, that we don't have interpreters in more locations. It, it just, yeah, as you're saying it, I mean, I feel a little silly, but I just am not, it's like, not usually part of my world to to know a lot about the deaf community and it should be like how, you know why is I don't know it seems nuts to me yeah I mean and there you could have uh interpreters in your area but they could not be qualified or you could have a situation where there it is a supply demand issue um, that we're working with and there's the market is there. There's a desire. There's a need for interpreting services um, from deaf and hard of hearing individuals across the United States and really the world. I mean, this is there's a shortage out here, and we have to figure mm. out a way to retain folks um, because there will always be deaf people, and there will be yeah. people using American Sign Language. And so, if that is the case, we need to make sure that we make the world accessible. And mm -hmm. a lot of times you hear uh, diversity and inclusion. Yeah. But what does that actually mean when it comes down to the nuts and bolts, right? Does your uh, building have a ramp, right? Mm -hmm. Does your building have braille for the bathroom mm -hmm. for someone to find? Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have, you know, interpreting services available? If, mm -hmm. if there's something happening, maybe just provide interpreting services. So one of the things yeah. that is really cool that's happening is a lot of um, artists in, in for concerts across the nation, some artists have just partnered up with what they call a deaf interpreter, and they are working with a deaf interpreter who is providing access on stage wow. um, to, you know, the left or the right of the stage um, uh, in front of the access area. And that deaf interpreter is then interpreting to the audience. And there's a hearing interpreter on the ground who is actually providing them the lyrics in more of an English um, word order. And then that deaf interpreter is putting out in their native language, which mm -hmm. is American Sign language, um, mm -hmm. to the audience, which is really cool to see that the mainstream yeah. world recognizes mm -hmm. there's a need for access yeah. and stepping up to provide it. So it, it's, there's definitely, um, you know, some change coming, you know, you look at Dancing with the Stars, you know, you have Niall DeMarco, um, Marley Matlin, you have all these people who are, uh, deaf and they're they're making it in Hollywood it's like incredible to see we're in such a special time yeah so I think leveraging that and that legacy and then continuing to build on it and I think the interpreting field has to keep up with that right so I don't yeah. think that should be a barrier for deaf people to continue doing great things and, yeah. I, and I can say this not just Hollywood right I'm talking about from even political positions, right? Currently, there are a lot of places where uh, deaf people can't run for public office because they won't provide an interpreter hmm. on the campaign trail. So how do they communicate? Are they paying yeah. for that out of pocket? Like, how does that work? Interesting, um, yeah. yeah. So it's 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 multifaceted, it really is. And um, 
I think that not only have deaf people, you know, obviously given me my job, right? That's that's the first thing I I, I have to acknowledge, right? Is that I learned American Sign Language. I'm not uh, from a deaf family. I have no deaf family members, but I have learned their language in that culture. And I feel so yeah. honored and privileged to do this job. And then now it's like, okay, great. <laughs> you can do the job, but what are we doing to keep the interpreting field um, in a place where everyone can be successful and where access can actually happen on the scale that it needs to happen, which is why when someone approached me to say, Hey, can core fly to another state? Um, I was kind of like, is it my full-time gig? You know, I had, I've had, you know, over 25 states yeah. that want core and they're like, wow. I'm like, I'm not moving to your state y'all. I'm staying in DC, you know, I'm, I'm not moving to your state, but but that's what I'm saying. You know, I, there is a need there. And so yeah. why would, would you, you stop, that? stop the growth? Right. You, you, it, yeah. feels like, it feels like you want to keep that access. You want to keep pushing us forward. Um, yeah. And I think core is one part of a bigger equation that we have systemic issues, right. At large when it comes to access. And I do think that core is, helping to solve some of those problems. It will not be the the only answer, but yeah. gap is what I'm really looking to, to support right now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, this is completely inspiring. Thank you for doing this work really. Yeah. I'm, and I'm curious, I have so many questions, but it's a little time. Um, I'm curious, how, how did you get into this work? Was there something that inspired you in the first place? Yeah, so I met a uh, a deaf kiddo uh, who was four at the time. Um, shout out Jordan, love him dearly, um, and his mom uh, at a camp that I was at, and uh, he was the only deaf kid at the camp, and it was it was rough. I mean, we were unable to communicate with him. None of us knew sign. Um, he was still picking up sign. His family was still picking up sign. Um, in, you know, 90% of deaf kids are born to hearing parents. So it's hmm. imperative that yeah. parents learn sign language in order mm -hmm. to have a, a freely open communication with their kids. Like I can't emphasize that enough and go to a deaf teacher, right? Like have a deaf person teach you this language. Um, yeah. Can't emphasize that enough, but I would say for sure that one of the reasons why I got into this was because of Jordan and mm -hmm. he knows it. I, I've told him multiple times and his mom does too. They're great people. But what I would say um, that sparked it back in high school. And then my uh, high school was a deaf feeder school mm -hmm. and so we had a bunch wow. of and hard of hearing students in my school. Mm -hmm. And therefore we also had interpreters. And so because of that, I got to take uh, American Sign Language as my foreign language. And oh, wow. um, yeah, so my high school ASL teacher, uh, mm -hmm. her name's Rose, uh, she's incredible. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Rose, we love her too. Um, Rose was like, you can do this. Like, I think you have, we, we call it in the field, you have it, which is like, a, the, it's like a, the sign for it is like you, you tap your stomach, like you have this um, intrinsic ability to do this job and to do it well, because it's a skill-based um, practitioner field. And so 
she was like, you have it, you should do this. And so um, I decided to become an interpreter and go to school and play soccer and, you know, shout out Maribel College. Um, and uh, yeah, I then decided to become an interpreter, but it all goes back to Jordan and, and that summer camp, and yeah. Jordan, you know, so I yeah, love so- that. Still know his family today. Yeah, he's yeah. a grown adult. I'm like, it's it's wild. I'm I so old. It. I'm so old I, when I talked to him. Yeah, I had some. I had a, some similar experiences in working in, um, in special education and and yeah. uh, children at summer camps and just being really, yeah, connected in that way um, to what they were dealing with. And like, I know you know special education is different. Um, and I think it can just be really powerful, like the early experiences that we have mm-hmm. with children and with people in general. I think it's incredible that your school had interpreters. And I mean, it's, I think that's so rare as far as I know. Um, yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is required by law to have interpreters, but what is the quality of the interpreter? What support are they getting? Are they working alone for an eight hour day? Right. You, when you see sign language interpreters, you'll see a switch off every 20 minutes because your brain, the, they call it the mental load, um, is enormous because you're taking, uh, an, an entire, entirely different language. And then you're producing something um, with completely synt- different syntax and grammar. It's not just word yeah. for word for word. And so yeah. um, a lot of people misunderstand that. And so, yeah, I would say for sure that's part of being within part of the deaf community, right? You you learn so much about those experiences, those friends who were mainstreamed and what was that experience like for them versus kids who went to deaf schools. Um, mm-hmm. And that's something that Gallaudet taught me too, is that, uh, you know, that's a deaf university. It's what they call the quote unquote Mecca of the, of the deaf community, because it's the sole deaf university. Um, wow. Yeah. So I had the opportunity to go there for, for grad school and it was, it was great because you got to meet people, deaf people from all across the world and, um, yeah. and just, you know, their experiences and it really does impact you. It makes you think about access in a way that, um, especially in other parts of the world where you're like, wow, this is wild it opens up yeah. the, deaf, the deaf community opens up a whole nother a whole nother world um I could talk about it yeah, yeah. Long, but yeah, yeah. yeah um last question yeah. um just anything you want to share about your process of of putting together this manual of writing this um book like what did you think it was gonna be in terms of putting it together? What did it end up being? You know, what was useful for you? What wasn't? I know that's, these are a lot of questions in one, but just maybe like, what do you think would be the most valuable thing for someone to hear who is considering writing a book or writing a training manual specifically? Oh, that's such a great question, June. Um, so like I said, I started off with my infographics from Canva, my, my free app. I came to you and I was like, I have all these ideas. Mm-hmm. You're like, cool. We have to flush those out. Like you can't just like put infographics in a book and like call it a day. Like there has to be some <laughs> words. Uh-huh. <laughs> like I'm super visual. Hence why, uh, you know, working as an ASL interpreter is a great fit for me. But I would say the main thing is... Um, understands you might not know exactly what your end goal is, but if you can make a plan for yourself and follow that plan to the best of your ability, um, 
and be like transparent and open and honest with yourself, right? Like I think part of the writing process uh, does require you to think outside of just yourself because you have to think about the end user. And so specifically when it comes to adult learning in, in, in a training manual or a toolkit or whatever you want, a workbook, mm-hmm. um, and specifically with adult learners, I think it's important that you consider your audience. And so I knew that my audience would be interpreters who are people who never went to an interpreter training program to people who have a PhD in this. And so you have to cater to all of those audiences, but at the same time, keep on your same mission. Yeah. And it's really easy to get lost in the weeds because you want to throw so many things in there. Um, as you saw June and you, you just can't do that. You can't appease every single audience. So figure out, narrow down your audience, get to the place where you, um, can be as true to the vision that you, that you had for yourself and for the book, right? Keep keep the heart of the book and the authenticity there. Yeah. And keep yourself on a schedule, keep yourself with a clear plan in mind, because it's really easy to get lost in the weeds. What is it that people say? Like, you know, can't see the forest for the trees, right? It's really easy in the writing process to not feel like you can finish this thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And I feel like most people I've spoken to that have written a book, that is a very uh, common, common, very shared experience. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. (laughs) Perfect. Well, thank you so much for just sharing with us. And um, I feel like I'm smarter, you know, just after these, these few minutes. And I hope that folks listening do as well. I think this is wonderful what you're doing. And um, is there, do you want to share like a link or anywhere that folks can, um, can people get the book outside of the training program or, okay. Yeah. So if you want to say that, I'll also put it in the blurb for the podcast, but if there's anything you want to share out loud. Yeah, for sure. So first things first, um, if you go to our website, so it's www.coreinterpreters.com. Um, and that's just one word and on there, the book is linked there. It's actually, um, on Amazon. Okay. We do have a Kindle, a Kindle version of it, but I do think that that because it's meant for people to be able to write in these pages and flesh out their ideas, I would recommend just buying the book. It's $30 on Amazon, um, Mm -hmm. which is not too steep of a price. I've tried to keep, you know, price as a important aspect of it, um, of what I'm doing to always be cognizant of that. But I would also say, uh, we have an Instagram account. It's called core interpreters USA. That's the handle. And then we're on Facebook also under core interpreters USA. And then, uh, each of our chapters has a Facebook page that they run. Um, and that information can also be, if if you type in core USA, uh, to Facebook, it will pop up. And then the other chapters are all kind of linked together and posted on there. But yeah, that's what I would say is definitely the recommendation. Perfect. Perfect. And then for um, folks who want to share this with people, we may also, well, we will have a uh, an interpretation of this. So I'll just say that out loud um, yes. for the deaf community. So just look for all of that in the links in the blurb with the podcast and we will see you next time. Thank you so much, Caitlin. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks.